everyone. Last time we did a podcast on leadership, my friend Tony emailed me and he said, leaders are not trained, they're developed or something. Sorry, Tony, if I'm misquoting you, but I thought that was a really interesting uh, point. And as you know, we love conversations about leadership on this podcast. And most of us have experienced the full spectrum of leadership leaders we want to aspire to be and those we want to avoid becoming like. And so we're going to continue that conversation today because we can never get enough of it. So you're listening to the Small Nonprofit Podcast, and I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and we are here to help you get more done for your small organization because you are going to change the world. We're just here to help. Today's guest is Matthew Ewell. He is the leader of Leading with Nice, and his company helps develop leaders. And so Matthew comes with 25 years experience in communication and marketing. He has a master's in leadership and management. And one of the most important things for him, which I think is lovely and agree, is that he's husband to Allison and a father to three. Matthew, welcome to the podcast. Oh my gosh, I've been so looking forward to uh, speaking more with you. We've had a few conversations in the past, so this is great. Yes, we have had lots of opportunities to chat. And uh, I'm just laughing because <laughs> yeah. we all have like stuff happening in the background. So yeah. we're just going to say we hear the dog. No big deal. This is uh, this is life these days. Yeah. Um, he wanted to know why he was left out of the bio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What? Yeah, I love it. We hear you, dog. We hear you. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited for this conversation. When I first uh connect or I think you connected with me and I thought oh I really love I looked at your website because you know we all do online stalking um and I was like oh I really like that you use sort of a scientifically backed uh process to help people understand um the people around them as leaders and how to you know I would say step into the leaders we aspire to be and so we're going to talk about that and you have you call it nice leadership so what does that mean? Yeah, sure. You know, it really was born out of a conversation I had uh, many years ago, probably in the mid 2000s. I uh, did some journalism. In addition, you know, uh, we, today they'd call it a side hustle. Back then, we just called it a part time job. Um, and uh, for a magazine I wrote for, I did a lot of the profiles. And somebody asked me, like, hey, what makes a good Wait, well, Sometimes you're really excited about these leaders. Sometimes you're not. What make what is it? So, um, I love data, so I kept a lot of like uh, spreadsheets on the people I wrote about. And what I discovered is the ones that really amped me up were the ones that had uh, really high aptitudes in one of six qualities. They were showed a lot of gratitude, had a lot of empathy, had a lot of trust in both themselves and the people they worked with. Um, they were honest. They were very generous with their time and money and very service driven. So, you know, from there, the next question was, uh, you know, are these just nice to have or do they actually help the bottom line? Because clearly we all know, like you mentioned in the in the intro, we all there's we all know leaders who both make lots of money for a company and those who don't and those who are very nice and also make lots of money. So what's the difference? Well, it turns out that people that have these qualities, there's lots of research out there that says, for example, bosses that show a lot of empathy 
those employees will actually show up to work 30% more often. So they'll take less sick days, less, you know, uh, personal days, et cetera. And of course, the more often your employees are at work, the more productive they are, the more wow. they can provide the bottom line. So uh, there is actually data showing that if you have these qualities, if you really build into them, yeah, you're going to make, you're going to make a lot more, you know, money. And <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah. Or, I mean, because our audience is nonprofits, it's money, but money is yes. like impact, right? Like yes. we, well, we need money. as a fundraiser, I know we need money, but like ultimately what it comes down to is like better programs, better yeah. service, you know, all of the things that are our North stars, yeah. right? Like yeah. the things that we, we want to do in this world. You know, I was thinking of, uh, there's a nonprofit I've worked with that, um, they have a membership model so that uh, they have a, a revenue source and they use that revenue to serve their mission. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, the front desk person just wasn't really fun to talk to. Not, not fun. That's the wrong one. They were very pleasant. Yeah. And then there was a change in leadership and a new front desk person took over and uh, they were great. And I, I asked uh, one of the long-term employees, what's the difference of the front desk? They're like, oh, the, the new director of uh, guest relations just has a real uh, aptitude for like listening and really caring, which is like, I would call that empathy. And, you know, that front desk person is the main point of contact in renewing memberships. So mm. come on, like, you know, it is like, it is directly tied one to two. And uh, I remember let's talking to the board of directors and they're celebrating all this great programming that, that obviously had generated the more revenue. And I was like, no, you just... I have an empathetic leader now in that position. That's that's all there is to it. And when they saw it, they're like, "Oh yeah, that's exactly what it is." So, mm. sure. oh, there's there's so many things I want to dive into. Uh, I wanted to go through the six attributes yes. again, but before we do, you mentioned something which is like, you know, you you sort of referred to that person answering the phones or at the desk as the leader as well, and I want to talk about what is a leader? Because we have a very hierarchical perspective on these things often, but that's, you know, and I think I've had conversations on the podcast before about how we are all, how we can all step into leadership. And so I'd love for you to weigh in on that. Yeah. Well, you know, I say like leadership is, is just uh, influence. So anybody, you know, we, we t- you hear about like leading up and leading sideways and leading down. Well, that's, that's basically like influencing. So that's all leadership really is, is influence because I have yet to see a job description where the title is leader of this. Now you might see like manager of or director of or vice president. And in the job description, it will say you lead this department, but there's no job leadership, right? And actually mm-hmm. I talked to my, my one son. He is not the loudest. Uh, he's definitely social and an extrovert, but he's not, um, you know, the front of the pack often. But it was funny. One day his uh, friends were all over here and they were probably like 15 at the time. And uh, they wanted to go, it was, they're having a sleepover and they wanted to go to the park at like 11 PM. And I was like, uh, I'm pretty sure like that would be bad parenting if I let them go. And so I said, Hey boys, sorry. Like, you know, your, your friend Connor's got a strict dad. And they said, Oh, you know what, Mr. Yule, Connor already said that, you know, we shouldn't even go. And, and he's always the one keeping us out of trouble. And I realized there. So after the next day I said, Connor, like when they said that, that is them, talking of your leadership Mm -hmm. what are you talking about it was their idea they wanted to go I said but look at how you influenced them even before they asked me 
And uh, I said, that's leadership in a nutshell. And so we have a lot of conversations in our house about influencing and how we can, you know, through our actions can show leadership. And that's nice leadership, nothing in there. You notice that there's nothing in there about like implements great programs <laughs> or, you know, has a three-step process. No, it's all about your aptitudes, your actions. Yeah. Okay. A side conversation. How did you raise a kid to be so responsible? But we'll <laughs> that's another time. Um, no, I'm only kidding. No, I'm kidding. So let's talk about this. How do we, I mean, you've said to me uh, previously, like basically what we're doing is learning how to increase our empathy. And right. that is sort of, but talk me through how we can start this. Is it starting with the six attributes or is there another path? Do we assess where we're at? Yeah, <laughs> like, so, yeah. you know, our, we use a tool actually, um, a disc assessment, but it's a bit more than just, if you're familiar with like a Myers-Briggs or strength, there's a bunch out there. We happen to use a tool um, that we like because it's, re- it's based in a lot of science. And when I first started looking for the right way to, so actually in my, in the master's program, the question I had was, okay, now I know this is true, but can you teach somebody? Well, the answer was yes. And I was like, okay, well, what, where are the programs that I can learn that I can implement? Well, there, there weren't programs. And so I found this tool um, that did a great, does great assessments that gives you the feedback on where you need to train up. And um, so where we typically start is like seeing, well, where are there some deficits? Where are there some low hanging fruit that we can just do some simple exercises? And, you know, um, one, of the, one of the greatest tricks, and, uh, you know, this is where it starts getting, people think it's, oh, this is complicated, but it's really not. So for example, if you are trying to lose weight, often you can get apps, you can track your weight, right? You, but there are not as many apps where you can track your hours exercised and your calories input, right? And so your weight loss, that's a leg indicator, right? That tells you how you're doing. A lead indicator are the calories and the hours exercised. So I would say, start creating a scorecard for yourself with some lead indicators. So for example, empathy, and people are gonna say, you charge for this? And I'm like, yeah, people actually will help, will pay money because it's so important. I'll one simple thing is start, keep, keep a scorecard of like how often you asked your reports how their weekend was. Right. Start keeping a scorecard of how often you put yourself in a situation that you're not familiar. So that could be trying as simple as trying new food at a restaurant, something you'd never ordered before. One thing I like to do when I work with faith-based organizations is I encourage them to attend a faith ceremony that's not their own. And, mm-hmm. um, and just, you know, uh, stepping, into, uh, stepping into others' shoes. And the reason why this sounds so out of left field is that we're not talking about customer service training, right? We're not talking about, okay, I'm gonna teach you how to use Excel better or something. Uh, I wish it was as easy as teaching Excel better because there have people that just, they are not gifted in empathy. They just don't have mm-hmm. it, right? And to, so people will say, well, how do we help this person do it? And I'm like, in that occasion, there probably needs, you probably need to find a job for them that does not need a lot of this. Right. So, um, you know, there's a friend of mine uh, and he's a friend who uh, works in insurance and he's the guy that has to calculate how much of a financial risk it is. Like I just referenced insurance agents in a session. I was, I was like, 
though like put your insurance agent hat on and be like the ruth most ruthless like nitpicky you know because there's something about that job that just, well he's yeah. not an agent he's the he's called an actuary yeah like the, the back end yes. where they're yes. like do you get money from us or not those yes. people so he <laughs> yeah. actually when i bought a trampoline for my kids he almost unfriended me he's like what are you doing this is the biggest <laughs> risk you know anyhow so he would tell you he does not have a lot of strong empathy but he, he's very generous with his time right he's very uh service driven but like he's just not the guy who's going to care if your weekend was good or not um so we've talked a lot about empathy right now but um but there's all these there's, there's five other attributes that make a nice mm -hmm. leader and usually i said most like the best leaders had three right so they're not they're not busting out in all in all six. Oh my gosh that would be you know that's mm -hmm. that's near impossible but anyhow so those qualities let's let's go over those qualities yes. again because i think that they are worth talking a little about sure. so Empathy is one. Yeah. So I actually, the acronym I use in my own head is get hugs. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, gratitude, empathy, trust, honesty, generosity, and service. So the U is a small U in this acronym. Um, we'll throw an underwater, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> make it work. And, um, you know, gratitude, for example, uh, I liken that to like, if you want to, if you want to know how to, the simplest form of doing gratitude is I call it the check-in versus check-up. So if you have a report who's working on a project, often what we do is like, we'll come by and be like, Hey, are you done with that yet? Or how far along are you? That's checking up. And that's like a doctor's appointment. Nobody likes mm -hmm. it, but instead check in and be like, Hey, how are things going? Is there anything I can help you with? That's actually showing gratitude because and, and trust because you're trusting the person they're doing their job and you're also acknowledging that they're working hard and you recognize like, hey, can I help you? Like I get this is a job that might need an extra set of hands. That's a very simple way to show gratitude. Uh, empathy yeah. we talked about. Trust is again, just, um, uh, you know, I just talked to somebody this morning who teaches um, a small, medium business operating system and he referenced uh, the Marine Corps. So they have, uh, intent command, it's called. So the old way of doing military is we gave you an order. Take that bunker, do it this way. Now it's about intent. So we talk about the outcome we want to achieve. And in between me telling you the outcome and achieving the outcome, I'm trusting you to choose the best way to forward. figure it out. So mm -hmm. you know, are you giving orders to your staff or are you giving intent? Um, I tell my, when I work with graphic designers, I often will say, okay, here's what I want. Now, if I have a very specific idea in mind, I will show it to you. But at no point, if I have not done that, will I come and tell you, well, that's wrong. Because I didn't, you know, I told you the intent was the outcome. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of like loading the dishwasher, which I think in every household is like, everyone thinks their way of loading the dishwasher yes. is right. But it, <laughs> at the end of the day, is the dishwasher loaded? Is the dishwasher like, it is clean. clean. Yeah. I look at it like directions. How do you get somewhere? Like, oh, mm. why do you turn left here? Like, so I'm trying to get to Tim Hortons. Well, I usually go right. Okay. Is there Tim Hortons at the end of this? You know, then we're good. We're yeah. good. Um, you know, really a lot of it is about like releasing control. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you would know this. Like we talk about, I talk about generosity a lot with uh, corporations who do like their, their, you know, donation day there. You know, I, I shouldn't say this one because my friend works there and he's like, oh, we need them. But like, you know, say, for example, you're building a family structure 
and you get a, uh, there's a, a nonprofit that does that. And um, you, your company comes for a day and they build a house or like uh, another one, I worked at a food bank and people would always want to come with their company. Be like, well, like we actually have a system already for delivering food, for building this. When you come, it actually takes away, it slows us down. So generosity, how can we be more generous in our work as opposed to just going out and doing volunteer work? Mm. Is it is it a, is generosity a matter of, you're putting aside an hour a month for each of your reports to do some mentoring, to do mm-hmm. some talking, to, to go out for coffee and just ask how they're doing to do a check-in. Um, is it a matter of, instead of being uh, saying, okay, the company is going to give a bunch of money to this nonprofit, just saying, what impacts you in your local neighborhood? Can we give $500 to that? Yeah. As opposed yeah. to, anyhow. And then service-driven, obviously, is just, if you lead to serve, you know, I would say bosses, their job is to serve their reports. Mm. Um, so not them to serve you. I love that. And uh, often I think of like our, my job or the job that we do is to serve Mm. our clients, right? Like very, um, yeah, I I love that word service. Um, because I think it is kind of like our reason for pain for me a lot, um, to help other people. Um, before we look at the other ones, I want to go back to the idea of releasing control Mm. because I think people have a hard time with that. And I think that is one of the areas (laughs) yeah, where I'd love to hear how you can develop that, that muscle of letting go of like your way of doing things, my way of doing things. You know um, again, it goes to, so Okay, great question. And it's not as simple as like, oh, here you go. Here's your read. Come on, you can't yeah. fix us all in like a 30-minute yeah, you know, conversation. You know, one of the things that we learn when we do, we start off the assessments, one of the things we learn about is our communication styles, mm. right? And so I think understanding how you like to be communicated to and how you personally communicate goes a long way in helping you release control. So for example, I worked for a boss that just wanted the bottom line first and then sometimes didn't even care about the details. But mm-hmm. I wanted to walk in and tell her a story of how I ended up in the details because the journey for me was important. And for 15 years, she suffered <laughs> of me and I did not get it. And then finally, actually, I left that work and I've come back and I now do consulting for them. And now, since I left and realized that, now I cannot get over the compliments I get for my you know, astute leadership. And I'm like, man, the only thing I've really done differently is now I just tell her the bottom line first. And... So but that was me releasing control of how I wanted to communicate. Mm. So if you understand how you communicate and you understand how somebody else wants to be communicated to, that can actually be a big release of what would be control. Uh, yeah. Another example would be, um, I'm very relational. So I love working in person. I want to come into your office and be like, hey, like, how was your weekend and blah, blah, blah. Um, some people actually look at that as like, do you not trust me? Like, why are you checking? Mm. Why, are you have, why do you want to get so much into my business? Uh, we're not friends, we're colleagues, we're coworkers. And for me, I would say, well, my colleague, I should be friendly with, you know. Um, so re- again, it's about understanding how people want to be interacted with, what motivates them, right? So what is motivating you to work here is different probably than what's motivating me to work here. Now, broadly, we may want to help that mission or cause, but... Um, I might be working here because I have a desire to grow my academia. I really want to learn about the sector where somebody else might be working there because they want to grow their status. They'd like to, they'd like to have it on their LinkedIn. That's not mm-hmm. wrong. Again, 
that's it might be hard, easy to say whoa whoa status that's wrong and judgy okay does it i'm sorry is it motivated them to get out of bed in the morning and come here and, and do an amazing job then you tell me tell me it's wrong again so yeah um we haven't talked about honesty yet and i'd okay, love yeah. for you to tell us a little bit more about oh that okay honesty first is about looking in the mirror it is not about the freedom to say i hate your work you know, that is not what it is right so <laughs> um honesty is first about understanding your weaknesses right? mm. that's the first thing to be honest with and again releasing control so i just had to be with my own staff and i said I am not a great finisher. I'm a great starter. I can get a project ramped up and when it starts to plateau, I lose interest. So I gave my two staff working on a project permission to not even ask me permission to make things happen at the end. Mm. Said, you know, if I come back in a week from now and you've told me about three things you've done to move the ball down the field and even across the finish line, you win. Like that is, you're the best employee. If you want to loop me in for sure, but if you are waiting for me to get back to you on an answer to this, I'm probably overwhelmed at my indecisiveness and I don't know how to communicate to you in that moment. So that's my weakness, owning it. And now fortunately I'm the boss, so I can, it's easier for me to say that. But, um, you know, often uh, when you are working with a, uh, with, if you're not the boss, it's okay for you to say to your boss, I need help in this arena. I will be totally, I will be the best employee ever in this arena. And if you allow that, can you also allow you to pay extra attention to maybe this detail piece that I'm not great at? Yeah. So that's the first thing. The second piece, what it is, there's a great book called Crucial Conversations. And it's about like, you know, one of the things we do really badly in North America is letting people go from our work, firing them and laying them off. Mm -hmm. In most, in a lot of South American countries, European countries and Asian countries, um, there, there's a book called The Culture Code that talks about this. A lot of them, when somebody's been laid off, there's actually a very intentional like six-month process of like checking in, going for dinner, seeing how they're doing, giving, helping them network and resource for what's next. And so that's a, that's a bit of honesty as well too. Mm. So uh, Crucial Conversations, check that out. Culture Code, check that out. Um, and But honesty starts with a look in the mirror, first of all. And honest, oh my gosh, which is tough, right? Yeah. Well, so you meant, you said, I'm the boss, so it's easier for me to say, but I actually want to push okay. on that because I, I, in my experience, I think a lot of people have an expectation of like yes. how they show up or they're supposed to show up as a yes. boss. And then they feel the deficits and try and Fair hide enough. them. So maybe I said that because of my own context. So yeah. thank you for calling me out. So I worked with a coach, Wendy Paul. She's amazing, wendypauls.com. And she really helped me understand my inner critic, mm. right? So uh, the self-saboteur, uh, that person that lets in, like we all have it, right? Um, we all think we're not good enough in certain arenas. All right. Um, see, we all have an inner critic, but I feel like we have these expectations of what like, a boss is and like how we're supposed to be um, or what a leader is. So how do we, so what is, like you mentioned earlier, the assessment, like if someone wanted to, to start to think about like, okay, I almost feel like we start with honesty and like, how do I get clear on looking at myself and looking at uh, how I show up? How do we, how do we, 
start that process. Yeah, and this is why, like in the uh, great question, the, the reason I mentioned my communications and marketing background is often uh, what prevents us from getting better at this is we don't know how to communicate. Mm. Um, and before we can even talk about empathy, trust, um, gratitude, we need to understand how to communicate with each other. And mm -hmm. that's really the first kind of the base, you know, the barrier to entry is, do you, do you know how to communicate with each other? And it was uh, so interesting. I was talking with my education and training coordinator about uh, the assessments. And uh, one of the great things that has this like high level, like personalized high level um, kind of how to for employees. So the, the manager, when, when their team's done their um, assessments, they can just reference this like really quick kind of cue card cheat sheet of how to communicate what's important, motivators, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and that has really helped her team, when we were, the client we were talking about, helped her team just get better at all the other things because now they understand how to communicate with each other. Mm. And so honesty, yes, but um, I would actually say the biggest one is trust because trust is the one that allows me to screw up in a meeting and not worry that you're going to go back to your department or around the water cooler and talk about how dumb Matthew is, right? Because that- mean, is, I can't do that anymore? No, you can still Got do it. it. You're the outsider. Now you're going to be <laughs> the, uh, the one on the outside. Yeah, that is, trust is actually yeah. the number one barrier. Uh, honesty comes, you have to have trust before you can have honesty with each other. Honesty, mm. personally, yes. But it doesn't help if um, if I'm really honest with myself, which allows me to be honest with other, others. If you don't trust me or I don't trust you. Yeah, yeah. So and I imagine they're all a little bit like they kind of oh, operate. Sure. Like you can't, re I mean, you said a good leader has three, but I think a culture needs to have a little bit of everything. Is that For fair? Sure. Yes, definitely. I mean, you cannot be absent of like gratitude. And, mm -hmm. and, and oh, but we're we're very we have great honesty, trust, and we're service driven. But nobody here <gasps> is appreciative of you. I want to talk a little bit more about how to build trust because mm. I think that and and maybe this goes back to communicate, but it's hard. It's hard for people to to show up trusting. Yeah, yeah. and that hasn't been our experience before. Sure. And I've seen that with people where even if they're in a new environment, yes, if they're they it becomes sort of embedded in like, oh, I don't trust, I don't trust people. So there, you know, when I asked this question, uh, I went looking for research. Like, has anybody explored this explored this before? And of course, there is lots of it. And one study in particular that talked about trust, and it actually looked into empathy as well. Actually, it wasn't about either of these specifically, but the outcome was this. So it was a university in the uh, Northeastern United States. And what they did is they hooked up this person to an fMRI. That's a functional MRI machine. So it shows what's actually happening in the brain. And what they would do is they had their friend watch, uh, sorry, first they had the person on their own hooked up and they would just give them a very small electric shock. And they saw the parts in the brain that lit up as they were being shocked. Then they unhooked them and they brought their friend in, hooked their friend up. And as their friend was getting the same shocks and they were both hooked up to the MRI, both brains would light up in the same spot, even though the first person was not being not shocked connected. anymore. But they, it was their friend, they're being empathetic. Then they brought in a third person who neither of the friends knew and they were unhooked from the machine and the third person was hooked up and they would get shocked. But the two friends, their brains didn't light up. 
So interesting. Why is that? Well, what the, so the next, so that was the first study. The second study, which is separate than that, um, is they were trying to find how to unlock those endorphins that help us actually get into relationship, right? When we know each other, when you see your family or somebody you love, your brain starts to release endorphins that allows you to be more open, more honest, less defensive, et cetera. So we're, they're trying to find out how can we do this with strangers? Well, you know, in short, there's a lot, but three, there's these three questions that actually cause these endorphins to be released. And I'm, this is my super secret uh, that you can do. I, this is usually the first thing I do with any uh, new project. These, here are the three questions. The first one is, what is your name, right? What's your name? So I'm Matthew Yule. That's the first one. The second question is, you know, where do you fall in, like, do you have siblings? And where do you fall? What order do you fall in? And the third question is, what's one thing you loved doing as a kid? So those three questions are so simple, but asked together, actually start to release endorphins. And we're in a group asking that, our brains will remember that. And so the next time I see you, the brain will start doing these endorphins. So how do these two things to go together? Well, the first so cool. study realized that the reason why their brains were not firing is because they didn't see this person as them cells or our cells. Mm. I, don't, I don't mean that as one word. I mean, our cells, our collective self. They didn't see that third person as our self. If they had done those three questions before, they would have then seen this person in their sphere of life, right? So at work, one of the first things we do is share those, those questions are not at all like, you know, beyond the line, right? Like, what's your name? First of all, that's normal. Where do you fall in birth order? Yeah. That's pretty chill. And then what did you love doing as a kid? Come on. Like that is, you know, that's not, that's, that's totally acceptable in the workplace today. And we can start to see ourselves, see it as ourselves. We see mm. our coworkers as part of ourselves. So when we see that coworker um, uh, having difficulty, when we're on a Zoom call, we kind of notice something is off. It, we are now a bit more apt to say to them, "Hey, you know, are, do you want to stop talking business for a second? Are you cool? How you doing? Like, do you need to take a break? Like, you know, uh, there's been a few times I've been on with a client." where I could just, you could tell something was off. Now, if I hadn't done this work with them, I might just keep on pressuring through. But because I had, I was able to say like, hey, you know, do you want to take a break? And one time in particular, it was like, can we just, yes, 10 minutes. So I'm like, all right, see you in 10 minutes. And what had happened is their kids had to get, come home from school. And so, but they didn't feel that they could have just left the meeting that we had yeah. planned in advance to go get their kids from school. And I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> like, you know, my company's called Leading with Nice, right? Like you can go get your kids from school because like there's been a COVID outbreak or something. Yeah. And, but, yeah. They didn't, but even that they didn't feel, think about if somebody w working with me with a company called Leading with Nice didn't feel they could take a 10 minute break to go get their kids from school. What are your employees not telling you and what are they yeah. suffering with? Right? Like, oh my golly. It was just, it was mind bending that day. Oh my goodness. I, yeah. <laughs> I love that story. Mm -hmm. um, I also know we're running out of time, but I feel like that's such a, I mean, it's such a perfect way to start to wrap up because it's simple, right? But it mm -hmm. is. Yes. And I think that insight of like seeing others as ours, ourself, it's what, yeah, as ourselves our, and as our yes. people, right? Like, yes, and yes. I hear that, like, I hear people, oh, they're one, they're one of us. So they're one of our people. Yes. And what I love about this insight is that like, 
you have three simple questions that turn a switch off in the brain or on in the brain that changes that. And, and it's all science. So cool. This is not like, this is not touchy feely. Like, you know, yeah. uh, like it's scientific. This is all scientifically researched. These are people that went into a lab looking to maybe develop pharmaceuticals. Develop, and what they discovered is like, oh, we've actually discovered unlocked the key to empathy. Like crazy. Right. So bam, I love yeah. it. I, I mean, <laughs> that's so cool. Matthew, where can our listeners connect with you? Uh, I know you do a lot of awesome things. Yep. But Thank you. Tell them where they should. Uh, yeah, reach out. You know, like everybody else, I have a, so I'm not sure if you've heard of the World Wide Web. Uh, <laughs> I have it. <laughs> I have a web page on the information superhighway. No. Uh, so yeah, leadingwithnice.com. And uh, we have a podcast as well. And we talk about uh, often what I want to know is like uh, leadership perspectives from where you sit. So for example, um, we, you know, we have a, we have an episode of the gentleman who was uh, the accidental victim of a drive-by shooting. You're like, well, where's Whoa. leadership in that? Well, we look at really his resiliency and how to get back to, to uh, form. Um, I just uh, had a, this Joseph Michelli uh, gentleman. He's an author. He uh, has worked with Starbucks and Airbnb. And he uh, talked a lot about building corporate culture. So that's a great resource uh, if you're into this kind of thing. And yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure. Indeed, and- my pleasure. Of course, to our listeners, thank you for joining us as always. Thanks for the amazing work that you do. And we'll see you next week. Well, listen, I have one last thing. If you yeah. like this conversation, could you please give Cindy's podcast a five-star <laughs> review on iTunes, Spotify? It really helps the algorithm know that people appreciate this podcast. And if you're listening to this regularly, clearly you value it. And so it's something you can do. It's free. It costs you five seconds. Give her a five-star review on the platform you're listening to. And it will really help other people benefit from the message she's sharing. I, that you'd be doing me a favor too, because <laughs> I'm a big fan of Cindy's work as well, too. Thank you. No problem. Have a good day, everybody. Well, folks, that's it for today's episode of The Small Nonprofit. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and this show is brought to you by The Good Partnership. As a reminder, if you want more resources around raising more money for your small nonprofit, visit thegoodpartnership.com and download our free fundraising strategy guide. I'll see you next week.